Anderson flew off indoor. What a year had it been. The Bucks are the world champions. Moncrief going inside. Ray Allen driving past Armstrong. The jam over McGrady. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton! Jason Kidd, this place is up for grabs. Behind the back, Giannis had a cool ball. Get on my watch. Holy moly. Dudley, up top. Oh, has got a clean catch. Milwaukee wins it. Play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. How many games? Six. We're going to win the six. Hey there. Welcome to Time Out with Ty, the less official podcast of Behind the Buck Pass. <clears throat> oh. I think you're wrong, friend. Uh-oh. It's the 37th edition of the Winning Six podcast. The, the, the official podcast of Behind the Buck Pass. Yeah. Adam, Adam's not here, so I didn't think anything would be official. Well, we're making things official. Okay. Adam's not here. I'm staff writer Jordan Trusty. I'm taking hosting duties. Okay. So, to quote the great Captain Phillips movie, I'm the captain now. <laughs> and along with me, along with me is managing editor Ty Windish, as you heard him. <laughs> yeah. Well, recap the week that was. Go into a couple topics about certain players, Bucks players, of course, and make our predictions a mailbag. Uh, the last week for the Bucks is kind of a normal one for this past season or for this season. Uh, one and two, kind of a awful defensive effort against Chicago on last week Tuesday. Uh, this past Friday, kind of like an ugly win, I guess you could say, but kind of how they won it was pretty hero- heroic, I guess. <laughs> and then just a Horrible game against the Knicks. Uh, yeah. It was not coming off the pack game, it was not a, a sight to see. Um, but I want to start out talking about a player that uh, I think we haven't really talked about too much lately. And I, that's something I want to talk about as well with him. Uh, Chris Milton. Ooh, okay. Chris Milton has been fantastic last couple games. Only uh, just give you some numbers, last 12 games. For you, 21 points per game, Ooh. three boards per game, kind of normal for him. Five assists per game, little spike there. But this is where it gets really interesting. 50% from the field, 45% from three, and 93 from the charity straight. Chris Milton yeah. has been probably if, – if, if we were tracking MVP rankings for the Bucks, which is kind of depressing. Um, <laughs> I would say you say the lead, but it's, I don't know. It's something interesting. What's interesting about it is that we always talk about him as a three and D guy, but the, his playing recently has been more than that, obviously. And I don't know, maybe are we seeing, do you think we're seeing the rise of Milton? Just maybe I'm not going to say Jimmy Butler levels, Paul George levels, 
maybe like a Michael Red. Not, maybe not Ray Allen either, but I, I mean, I'll just throw that out. What do you think? I mean, I really think we are. I mean, you're watching Chris Middleton, and it seems like every month he's adding a new wrinkle to his game. I mean, obviously there was the slow start, but I mean, I wrote about that when it was happening. I lost a little patience too, but uh, he he started slow last season too and, and caught up, and he did the same this year, obviously, with how he's playing now. I mean, some guys are just slow starters. Shout out Aramis Ramirez for all the Brewers fans listening right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really like Chris. I mean, I would go as, I don't know about player comps yet. I mean, Butler's a, a popular one because they play all the time. Uh, they're going to play again this week and it'll be fun to watch. I don't, I don't, he's not obviously not there yet. I don't know if he'll get there, but he might. I mean, I think it's, I think it's possible. I brought this up to some, some friends the other day. I wanted to get your take on this. What is it possible that Chris Middleton's the, the, highest ceiling of all the bucks right now? Like, I, I don't think that's out of play anymore. I think so. I would say that at this point because he's the most dynamic play, shooter on the team. Um, his field goal percentage overall this year has dipped a little bit. And now we talked about this before with how they've used him, like posting up and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, when you hear other teams' comments, actually yesterday's comments from uh, the Knicks players, they how they play Milton is just – I mean, they know he's the only shooter in the in the Bucks' uh, ideal starting lineup that we, you know, kind of use as a benchmark this year. And the fact that he's pulling, pulling out these numbers with increased attention over since he's, like, rose over the last year is pretty remarkable. Like, obviously, the t- team struggled – um, the second half of last year and the, this year has been disappointing no matter what. Uh, but he's still doing things that, I don't know, it's it's tough. Like you said, it's tough to put um, a specific player arc on him, like what he's comparable to. But I think this is, we're finally seeing if Middleton can be the first option and the fact that he's taking more shots. We've always kind of not criticized him for him, but we also know we know that he he likes to be a team first kind of guy. He doesn't want to hog the ball or you know kind of take up that James Harden type role. You know yeah. What I mean? um, but I think yeah, I I seriously think we we are. And he, the other thing too, he's twenty four. That I think that gets lost on him that he's still so young, even being he, kind of like a diamond the rough type player. Well, that and he just he looks so polished. Like he doesn't look like he has holes in his game when you watch him too often. Yeah, he doesn't really look lost out there. I just thought of a good comp, by the way. Probably my least favorite player at any given time. Is it is it Judge Johnson? No, it's not. That's Adams. Adams. That's Adams. I I like Clay Thompson. I mean, if you look at Clay Thompson, is like a a post modern 3 and D guy, I guess. I mean, that's what he does the best. But clearly, Clay Thompson's better than J.J. Redick. Like, he can do more things. But at his base, I mean, Clay Thompson is a great three-point shooter, but he can also score on his own. He gets hot like Chris Middleton does. They're both really good wing defenders. I mean, we could have, you know, instead of Squidward's house, maybe we got Patrick's house here. Maybe we got SpongeBob's house. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about nicknames yet. Chris Middleton has 6,000 nicknames already. Maybe he doesn't need another one. But I mean, what I was just thinking about it right now, and obviously Chris isn't there yet. But I mean, if he comes close to Clay Thompson, that contract just became a bargain. Oh yeah, definitely. And then I think too, I think 
people I do agree with the Clay Thompson uh, com or comparison because I think if we're obviously we associate Clay Thompson with the Warriors, Flash Brothers, Curry, all that stuff. But I think we would be seeing something similar to him or to the numbers that Milton could get to. I mean, overall the season he's you know, seventeen points per game. Like I said, field field goal percentage is a little down from last year's like forty four. But third or this uh, from three point range, forty five percent. Like this is the third season where he can shoot over forty percent from three. Like it's, I don't know, that's crazy. I, and the other thing I want to talk about this with Milton is kind of reading uh, uh, Frank Madden's piece on Brew Hoop about where the Bucks go from here is a really good article. But I don't know. I think we have a – I don't know what it is with how we view Middleton. I, maybe it's because we he was kind of like this afterthought kind of guy throwing whatever um, with the trade with Jennings. But we – I don't think – I think now we, we are starting to – slowly get to that point. But I feel like we're getting to or we kind of view Middleton as like like a part of the core, but like a B part of the core. Like I I don't know, this it's hard to put into words, but I've talked with Adam about this. And I feel like we have always how we viewed Middleton is like he knows his role. He's obviously like you said the most polished out of uh you know Giannis and Jabari if you call put him in that core sense. But I think how we view him is kind of like well, we know what he's doing, so keep up with it. We'll focus on Yadis and Jabari. When Milton, I think, is becoming – he could become more than just this 3D type role player kind of thing or kind of guy that we um, – or that he kind of came out of last year. Does that make any sense to you from what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, there's definitely layers to the core that people also want to look at. I mean, if you just strictly define it as young players who have some potential on the Bucks. I mean, the young core is probably like eight eight guys, maybe more than that. I mean, I won't even name them off all right now, but most of this team is 24, 25 or younger. So that's all sorts. That's, you know, Tyler Ennis, John Henson, Johnny O'Brien. All these guys are young guys with potential. Damien Inglis, even. But when you really <laughs> talk about the, the young bucks, most people are thinking like Giannis Jabari. And sometimes that's it. I think Middleton's probably the third guy to get listed. Then maybe MCW. It depends. From there, it's more subjunctive or subjective, I should say. I definitely yeah. see what you're saying. I think we're going to see more from Middleton, especially the longer kid is away because Prunty's offenses seem to be a lot more live. It's lit, I guess you could say. Uh, I see a lot more screens both on and off ball, and I think that's done wonders for Middleton. It's clearly done wonders for Greg Monroe, who dropped 28 in the mix last night effortlessly. Greg Monroe is so fun to watch on offense, man. Because he mm. just it's just like, oh, okay, Robin Lopez and Porzingis, whatever. I'm just going to take my turnaround two points right now and jog back and then do it again later. Yeah, that was I th- that was actually kind of surprising to see that game last night. It's, it wasn't like a very good game for the team in general, but, you know, it was like full, mid-fourth quarter, you realize he had 28 points. Like, and any other night, if they if the Bucks were in it, say if it was like the Mavericks game from two nights before, we'd be like, oh, that's a great game. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it would, it would stand out more than just like, oh, this, this looks like a horribly played game. But uh, going back to Middleton, I don't know. It's just funny. I feel like we, I don't know. Maybe it's because he was part of that awful season. You know, he put up really good numbers, but obviously he couldn't really take anything away from that season besides just the fact that you got a 
second the second overall pick with Jagari. But I don't know. I think we I think if if we see more Middleton kind of getting to that point where he be, not be, necessarily becomes the first option, but is clearly like um, the offense runs more through him, like we have seen since I would say Prunty took over. I think I think we have to kind of like view not a pecking order, but just how he belong like seriously belongs in that class because I think we kind of in a weird way we kind of you know distance him because he is so polished. He is what he is at this point where Yas and Jabari were kind of, we have little like clues of what they could be, but it's still so much up in the air at this point. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause it's almost like his, like the fact that he's better now than they are. And I think that's pretty indisputable at this point has actually been used against him. You know, if you look at it, like, yeah, he's a few years older, but not like 24, like you're set as an NBA player for life. I mean, you can still learn things. But people, I think myself included even, I mean, I was talking about this until a couple weeks ago. I was one of these people. It's like, okay, he's already got skills. Like, he's already a great three-point shooter. He's already got, you know, a great defender on ball. He's probably done then. That's probably all he's going to get. And I think he's proving right now that it's like, no, I wasn't done yet. Like, I'm, I'm still not done developing. There's still more that he can add to his game. And he is now. And I think... That's something that no one, I don't even really think the Bucks accounted for. Maybe they did. I mean, that's that's a more like a guess comment, I guess. But, I mean, I don't think any fan around the NBA or even us expected Chris Middleton to be able to come out here and look like a first option. Not all the time, but he has at times where you can feed him and he'll just get you points. It's going to be really fun to watch where he can go now. And what more he can add? Because he's already been at, he's been adding. He's, his ISO game has gotten better. His post is his post ups still aren't great, but they look better than they were, especially at the end of last year, at the very beginning of this year. I mean, who knows what else he's going to add to this tool belt? Yeah, definitely. And I just think, you know, I wrote about this last week about him, and we've seen even better games from him lately. You know, I don't want to put this out there because obviously, uh oh. This oh, this guy's uh, status with the team is you know kind of not legendary, but he is one of the most like well known bucks in recent history. Last player to shoot three seasons in a row from or forty percent from uh, three point range three seasons in a row, Ray Allen. And I'm not saying he can eventually become like that because I don't think you know athletically Middleton is not even near where Ray Allen was when he was you know at his athletic peak or anything like that. People, people forget Ray Allen was more than the guy on the heat sometimes. Like people just think yeah. of Ray Allen and they think all these years he was the first option basically in Milwaukee in the George Carl era. People think he was just like standing behind the line and shooting like nine threes a game. Like no, he could do it all when he was yeah. in Milwaukee. Like he was, he was nuts. Yeah. And I think, I, I certainly don't think it's going to be, I don't think we're, he's like as mercurial as like a, a player as Ray Allen is or something like that. You know, this crazy work ethic that Ray Allen had, but I think Milton's game is is going to age really well, obviously, because obviously the rise of the three point, you know, teams are obviously shifting more to a three point offense, um, and obviously that's his probably his strong suit at this point, really. And you know, he is his best skill 
it was definitely shooting. Like there is, I want to see he's a, I think what we're seeing is maybe like the evolution of him as a scorer, maybe. Yeah. Is that probably the best way to do it? Yeah. Yeah. You can um, definitely say that. Yeah. And I think that's obviously, you know, there has been much success this year with the Bucks in general or co- even consistency, but I think Milton is now at the point, even with, you know, the big, the start of the season included, like, I think now we're getting to the point where we can depend on him maybe not 20 points per game, but 17 points per game, that's insanely great for what you, you know, dished out for him this past summer. Yeah, I mean, um, I was okay, just, 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 no, just about in real quick, I mean, you said you can depend on him for the, the points per game. The other thing that doesn't really get brought up, and maybe it's just because, I, I don't know, I guess we're more academic Sports fans, but not even really, not really at all for me. I could say he's like he's got the clutch factor. He hits game winners all the time. What do you have? Two or three last year? Uh, Suns Heat. Was there? A, maybe it was just two. But I mean, they were both insane, and he wasn't open. Well, he's. I mean, he definitely like even like the second half of that season. He was just like the only thing that if they won the games, it would usually be based on Chris Middleton. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, against Dallas, he had another game winner. I mean, the, the, oh, yeah. the, the Bucks had to play defense, but he was the one who hit the game-winning layup. And I think just like like you had said, the evolution of him as a scorer, his last two game winners before that were both three-pointers. This one was a layup. Like, he's, he's, he's comfortable enough with yeah. the game quite literally on the line. Like, if he misses or turns the ball over, Bucks probably lose. He's comfortable enough to say, I don't even need to do what I'm best at on offense. I can do what I'm second or third best at. Like I can go inside and do a you know a, a mid-air transitioning athletic layup, and I'm confident in that shot. And he did, and he ma- he nailed it. I think that's that speaks a lot too. I don't know how many, apart from maybe Greg Monroe, maybe Michael Carter Williams. But do you really trust Michael Carter Williams in those situations? I don't know if I, I don't know if I fully trust him yet to go do something. I trust Chris Middleton more than anyone for sure, hundred percent. If 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 you need one shot. And it doesn't have to be a three anymore. It can be a two now. He's showing his range going inward, ironically. Most most guys grow the other way. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's done it all. He's defended. He's passed. He gets rebounds sometimes. He's not a great rebounder for his size, but he can only do so much, and he's usually far away at the two-guard position anyway. Yeah, definitely. And he made it. By the way, he made that two look so easy the other day. Yeah, he did. It was <laughs> – <laughs> the clock was winding down. I think that was like within ten seconds or even less. Probably, and he just—I don't know—he made that look so easy. He doesn't um, feel pressure. I don't think he feels pressure at all. He always—he yeah, exactly. always has the same look on his face all the time. He's one of the—he's just—he's always balanced. I don't. Do you have him added on Snapchat? No, I don't. You're not missing anything. Like he doesn't do <laughs> any. Like he went to this—he went to the strip club, right? He hasn't done anything besides that. Like all his Snapchats, I, I swear, Jordan, it's like, yeah, in my hotel room watching this movie. And it's like, what? <laughs> like in, in the cold tub. Like Giannis is out here with like Mountain Dew and pizza and like on the off season doing all this crazy stuff. And Chris Middleton is either in the basketball gym or in a hotel room. Like that's all he does. Like he doesn't get up and down like some of these guys. It's just like, all right, yeah, I'm going to watch this movie tomorrow. I'm going to go to work, a- a.k.a. hit a game winner. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go home back to my hotel room and celebrate with pay-per-view instead of just watching one of my DVDs. Yeah, it's, it's I love it. Like, like Bad Boys 2 or something. Oh, there's a classic. 
<laughs> um, speaking of, I guess, Goodness. good players, I, I would say. I would classify I would classify his games recently as good. You, you, um, hit, him with a, you hit him with the Terry Cummings? <laughs> is he about Terry, is Terry Cummings? Um, MCW has been. Not a, it has it hasn't been surprising because I think it's eventually what we thought could well what we all thought he could be for them, but I think what's become really apparent is that he's becoming more reliable, dependable. Yeah. It's not like you know if he if nothing is working on offense and there's like six seconds on the shot clock, there'll be times where he or in the past where he would just check up a shot because, you know, there's nothing he can create on the offense. Now he's still, I think he's starting to get that kind of uh, really more comfortable with, you know, how to, how he's seen the game and how he uh, sets up the offense and all that stuff. Um, let me think. I'll it leave looks like off my screen. Are you go, sorry. Right now, I mean, it looks like he's the the point guard the Bucks wanted when they traded for him. Like, I think this was the ideal. Is uh, I don't remember the exact number. It's over his last handful of games. I wrote a piece on it. I saw another one today. It was like over his last five or six games, he's averaging like fourteen, eight, five with two steals, a block, and just two or three turnovers. I got I got you one better. I mean, okay, since, here we go. Since he was benched. Basically. Oh, okay. Um, thirteen point four points per game, five boards per game, or five point six boards per game, six point three assists per game. Turnovers still high. That's two point six uh, turnovers per game, but forty seven percent from the field. You know, finishing his finishing this year has been really noticeable, no matter what. He's actually it is somewhat fluky. I would say. Yeah, I'm not sold on him as a fin- like he's got potential but he still looks too haphazard to me sometimes he's shooting 32 percent from the uh, from uh three-point range this year all year no sample size i think that's crazy uh, obviously he's taking like 0.5 threes a game it's not like he's chris middleton light out here <laughs> but he hasn't been the the non-shooter everyone worried about this offseason i mean that's that's been jabari and Giannis. to if it's anyone to be honest i just realized honest and Giannis rhyme that might be an article tomorrow um, but MCW, I mean, he's just been doing everything right, and I think he finally got the memo that Jason Kidd sent him through the Players' Tribune with that article he did. Um, <laughs> like three days, three days before MCW got traded to the Bucks, this Players' Tribune piece drops, and in it. Oh was, yeah, now I know. Okay, I I wrote I've written two articles about this now because I just think I I absolutely think he was speaking directly to him almost. It feels like. And it's like, look, you got to slow down. Like, you're fast. You can get to the hole and score a lot of the times. But, like, when you slow down, you'll see the game much better. That's where I found my success. It looks to me like MCW slowed down. His usage rates dropped off yes. the cliff. It's went from, like, 25 to 18 or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's slowed down. He's not rushing as much. I used to watch – I remember I went to the Kings game. And every time he had the ball, he was just rushing directly into the paint. He actually, like, looks around now. And, and finds other players. And I think part of that, maybe like I said before, the offense looks different under Prunty. 
but I mean, MCW deserves credit for it too. He's changed his game, and it, it's working so much better with the team now. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, you know, um, not taking a, uh, a seat to Middleton's kind of emergence in the offense, uh, offensive scheme, but he works. I mean, he works better when he has a lower usage rate or not yeah. as big of a role in the in the um, offense. And he, the other thing too, I think when we talk about him is that he he's a really good on ball guy. Obviously his off the ball skills are really, you know, work in progress type stuff, like especially shooting, but he's a really good cutter. And he, yeah, his, his off ball cuts are good. He gets exactly. some crazy alley-oops. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Was it the Dallas game? I think that was the Dallas game. Yeah. Where he just flew through the air. He yeah. just took off. He, I mean, obviously the hope was when they acquired him that he could get to the point where his shooting isn't that big of a, uh, you know, a negative on him or like a red mark on him, a red flag on him. But I think, I don't know. I, it's, it is very, it's incredibly encouraging at this point because obviously for the start of the season, it's been, it was, you know, pretty much rock bottom. I mean, we're already planning on, well, when can we, when can the Bucks draft another guy? When can, are they going to go do something at the deadline trade for someone? But I think now this rise, not rise, but kind of, becoming more comfortable with who he is. It's starting to get I can see fans starting to become or to become more comfortable with him. I don't think it's uh you know set in stone by any means at this point. I don't know. What do you think are you starting to feel more comfortable about his place on the team or even his role at this point? I think I am. I mean even before he was playing better, when his usage rate was still high, I wrote that I thought he looked like the leader of this team. Because, I mean, aside from OJ Mayo, he's, he's probably one of the more fiery guys. He hasn't been a vocal leader yet. I'd love to see him start doing that some more. But, I mean, he always just, he was always confident. I mean, even when he got benched, he obviously came back better than ever. But, I mean, he wasn't out here throwing tantrums or anything like that. I mean, he just kept going about his business and going to work. And I think he's been, uh, a consummate professional the whole time. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd be super annoyed if I was him because everyone and their brother compares him to Brandon Knight, and it's not fair. I mean, he didn't pick to get traded for Brandon Knight. I mean, I've done it myself. I can't lie. I mean, it's 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 not, it's obvious why fans do it, but at the same time, it's completely unfair to Michael Carter Williams, who isn't an established scorer. I mean, his scoring numbers probably will never hold up to Brandon Knight, but that's not what the Bucks want him to do. And I think he's finally sort of figured that out. That for the first time, I mean, obviously in Philly, he had to do everything. He doesn't have to do everything in Milwaukee. Like, he, it looks like it because his stat sheet is going to be stuffed every night if he's playing well. But, I mean, he doesn't need, like, a 20-10-10 triple-double. He needs, like, 14-8-5-2. Like, that's beautiful from him. With, like, one or two turnovers, that's amazing. Even three turnovers. If his assist-turnover ratio is two, and he's shooting, like, 45%, and he's still managing to make 30% of his triples, I'm super, super – I don't need any other point guard. I mean, if, if you're expecting Michael Carter-Williams to be better than that, you're, you're living in the, the clouds. Like, I don't know what to say. It's just not going to happen. I mean, he's, he's capable of doing that every night, I think, maybe in his prime once he really starts clicking, he can be even better than that. But, I mean, I think with that, you're getting what you need out of the point guard spot. If you don't have Steph Curry or Russell Westbrook or, or Chris Paul – you know, Kyrie Irving, guys like that, then 
what we're getting right now from Michael Carter Williams is all you need to get. Like that Tony Parker kind of level where it's a facilitator, a rebounder, a pesky defender, and he'll get his points, but you, you don't need to see him score 25 points every night. It's just not, you have other guys to do that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, uh, when we talked about MCW in the past, you know, since probably the beginning of this podcast, we've always talked about how it's not like Philly. Like, you know, obviously going from Philly to Milwaukee, that's such a huge learning curve in itself because of the fact that Philly is doing what they're doing and the fact that even though it's not the best offense for Mike Carter-Williams to thrive in, I would say, uh, because there aren't the shooters that you need around him to maximize his or kind of negate his flaws. Um, I still think he's getting – we're starting to see that he can be capable of playing within that system as hopefully Jabari and Giannis kind of grow into their becoming more of a – out or more consistent outside shooters in their own right. And I think, you know, you brought up Tony Parker, which is actually a really good comparison because I've always thought he's kind of like the perfect – not perfect model of point guard, but just the kind of guy that he doesn't rely on outside shooting all that much to get to where he is now. I mean, but this year, I don't have the stats on him, but I know he has taken a, kind of a backseat role to uh, Kawhi and uh, the Marcus now coming there. And I think that's kind of like the the type of player that he be, he can become. And the other thing, too, I talked about this to Adam, um, you know, offline or off podcast, if you will. Uh, you know, it's his third year as a point guard, and I think that in itself, like, obviously his flaws stick out like a sore thumb. But it took a while. It takes a while for point guards just to kind of not calibrate, but just learn how to play to, play the game with athletes that might be better than you. You know what I mean? Even though he's obviously a very uh, – a better athlete than I would say the normal point guard is at this point. You know, it took a while. Like, even the Brandon Knight, perfect comparison is Brandon Knight because that third year, his first year in Milwaukee, from the beginning, it was, you know, well, even when he left, uh, you know, at this time or a little more, uh, kind of like a month or no, a year ago at this time, um, he, we didn't see a full fledged point guard with him. It takes time with him. Like, you know, the, the vision might not be there or, uh, I mean, trying to like, you know, get the best out of your, of what you can do by yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just like, like Jason Kidd, like slowing down, like Kidd said, I mean, yeah. you look at uh, D'Angelo Russell and Emmanuel Moutier, these guys were both top six draft picks. Uh, Russell went two, Moutier went six. I mean, these guys are seen by most NBA minds as they're going to be great point guards, but they're, te- they're terrible right now. Like, I mean, there's, this is a whole rookie discussion I've gotten in with a few people. Like, rookies are bad. That's just part of rookies. Like, they don't play well pretty much no matter what. I mean, you have, like, Porzingis and Carl Anthony Towns. They're, like, transcendent talents to be good that early. Most guys aren't. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Emmanuel Moody. I mean, I think both of these guys are going to be really good point guards five years from now. They're not yet because you have to learn it. You really have to learn it. NBA point guard, you know, is one of those, like, low-key, super, super challenging positions unless you have like a LeBron James on your team because you have to orchestrate everything on offense. I mean, coaching schemes help, but like you, you have to be the one driving. You have to make the right decisions. You have to learn by making the wrong decisions, which decisions to make. 
I think we're seeing, like you're saying, Michael Carter-Williams has learned a lot now. He's had this experience. He's been in different places playing, and he's he's just gotten better. He's gotten smarter is really the thing. I mean, I was on a podcast a couple weeks ago. I don't, I don't even remember which one. I think it was Time Out with Ty. And I was saying, Michael Carter-Williams has the physical traits he needs to be successful. He has mental a mental weakness of trying to shoot too much and not making the right decisions. That's the part of his game that looks better now. Like I don't think his shot looks remarkably better than it did two months ago. I don't think his layups look remarkably better. Like his passes aren't that much more crisp. He's just putting them in better places and and taking shots in better places. I think that's the big improvement. And I think that speaks volumes to what you can expect from him going forward. Yeah, definitely. And another thing with, you know, that kind of learning curve with point guard, we're obviously living in probably the best era of point guards ever. I mean, yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. You know I mean, like that's that in itself going against point guards every night. You know, like Curry, you know, guys like Paul, even not – I wouldn't say the top of their class, but like – or not top of their class, but top of around the league. Like even guys like Jeff T is such a hard co- guy to cover because he's so fast. All the, You know, really good athlete. And he isn't the best shooter, but he knows at compared to where MCW is, he's been in the league longer. He knows what he is at this point. That kind of stuff is – that's harder to – I think wrap your mind around when you come to the NBA is that you kind of know, once you get to the point of like knowing where you are in college, you come to the NBA and you have to throw everything out the window because there are so many things you can still rely on the things that really, the kind of, you know, your best things, obviously, or best, you know, your best strengths or whatever, but it's going against guys like that every night, you know, and you might not even be a hundred percent. That's so tough to do. And I think, you know, we've obviously – it's. I don't think we'll ever – the point guard debate with him will ever kind of be – no, I don't – it will never be done because he is. He still has so much room to grow. There is, uh, you know, as with the team, they have so much room to grow and seeing where he could be eventually. It's not going to be some stone that he could be the guy that that everybody wants him to be. But I think now I feel like we are, like I said at the beginning of talking about it, I feel like we're starting to get, we're starting to calm down about what he could be, starting to feel more comfortable, starting to, you know, people actually like wanting him to drive more and, you know, him becoming more of a reliable finisher, even though we still don't believe in some of that sometimes. But um, I don't know. It's, it is obviously a positive development in a, you know, again at this point of year, but it's we're starting to see something like that. And even I, we talked about this with the benching too. Maybe he isn't the starting point guard, and all the I mean, he's always going to be linked to that because of the trade with Knight. But I still feel like he's going to have a spot with this team regardless. You know, I think that's why this draft. We'll probably get into you know draft questions with the mailbag, but. Uh, you know, this this is why this draft is important because there's st- the Bucks are at a still rebuilding, you know, stage two, I guess you would say, or year two in the rebuilding process. And I wouldn't say I would say maybe Milton at this point, and obviously their signs are looking out for Giannis and Jabari, but it has been more of a mixed bag with uh, MCW. But anybody is still able to, you know, kind of move on from this team, whether we like them or not, like they're still at that point where you want you, the best part or what you would like them to do is try to get the best talents out of it 
and see who can that should become about or be a part of the team's core long term. And I feel like if MCW continues his play, you know, if he well, especially if he doesn't get benched again, um, maybe that affects their draft process. I don't know. I don't, it's obviously too early to tell, and we haven't even seen. You know, it hasn't been March Madness at this point, but I feel like we're starting to feel more comfortable about him being on the team at this moment, at this point in time, whether that is starting or as like a Sean Livingston type kind of thing. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's going to affect the draft process. I was going to ask you about that uh, a little at some point. Like I think the focus is kind of shifting from – the Bucks need a point guard to where it should have been all along anyway is get the best player available. I think that's I think that's where where we are right now. I don't think anything's defined enough. I mean, you look at we're we're not sure if Giannis and Jabari can coexist yet. Like we don't know. I, I'm not saying they can't. I've seen that a lot on Twitter. It's it's two years too early to say anything like that. But I mean, it's possible that they, it's possible that they can't play in the same front court. Like it's still a thing that could happen. Their skills could overlap too much to where it just doesn't make sense, and their weaknesses could overlap too much. So I, I don't, I don't think at this point you go in and you just circle, you know, the five point guards we talked about last week and go, we need one of these guys. I yeah. think you circle, you know, whatever pick you have. Let's say they have the tenth pick. You circle your ten best guys and say we're going to pick the best of these ten that's left to us when we're when we're picking. I think that's what you have to do. I think that's how it changes. It might change the free agency outlook too. If he stays this good, Michael Carter Williams. I mean, he's restricted, but he's gonna get some offers. Like I, I, I wrote about this earlier. Like the Nets have nothing to lose by by offering massive poison deals. Well, actually, no. That would be that would be till next, year. next year. It's next year. Yeah. yeah, it'll affect their free agency next year. That's what I thought. It's 2017. Oh, okay. But when he comes up, like if he if he finishes this year strong, he stays strong next season. He's gonna get big offers. I mean, it's too early to speculate on numbers. But like teams like the Nets, like they still won't have any draft picks until like 2019. If they do, it'll be swapped first. Like there's nothing to stop them with all their cap room that everyone's gonna have from looking at a guy like Michael Carter Williams and saying, "12 million a year, why not? Like we need we need talented players. We have to overpay to get them. That's our only option because we have nothing else. We have no draft picks. We're not uh, a desirable destination. I mean, if if the Bucks are trying to give him six or seven, and the Nets are saying 12. It's it's tough. I mean, Michael Carter Williams might want to stay here, but that's five, four or five million dollars a year, maybe more than that. I, I can see something like that happening, definitely. If he if he doesn't, I mean, he could pull a Chris Middleton and be signed with the team right away. But Chris Middleton basically got his max anyway. I think yeah. there's going to be more room, and obviously, it's too far to worry about this. And that'd be a great problem if he plays so well that he actually deserves the contract. Like that, <laughs> I'm not saying I don't want that to happen. I'd love for the Bucks to have to deal with that kind of problem for once. But that's definitely something that could arise a year or so from now, depending on if he can keep up this play, that if it if it really is sustainable. Yeah, definitely. And I think we we talked about this last week when you said and about the draft. I think you hit it on the head. I I've always been kind of a guy that you know kind of have to evaluate your team and see what fits because I think that's obviously how you get a better. Um, uh, I think that's how you maximize your draft pick, where, no matter where you are. Um, but I think at this point, especially where they are, I think right now they're the eighth, or they'd be the eighth 
team in, in terms of record, obviously that could change when the lottery uh, yeah. happens. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I don't know. Obviously we'll talk about more about that when the summer comes, but MCW's play has been encouraging, no matter what everybody says. And uh, I think, I don't know. Let's hope it continues. Yeah. Okay, I think it's now time for predictions. Predictions time. Predictions time. The leaderboard for predictions follows. First place, of course, Mike Helm. Always. 26 of 13. Point differential of 464 points. That's very good. Better than mine. Second place, or tied for a second, I should say, in terms of record, Adam McGee, 23 and 16. 440 or 448 points in terms of points differential. Also tied for second in terms of record. Tie, you're 23 and 16. Yes. The point differential is 494. What's he got me by? Like 12 or something? Uh, 20 something? It's close. I'm coming for you, Adam. I'm coming for you this week. 46. 46. Okay, it's not that close. I'm coming for you in terms of record, though. <laughs> hey, well, that could happen. I mean, you could turn that around. Like two I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. Unless there's like a big blow or less. Uh, Knowing this I'm team, fourth. the problem will be. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm fourth. I have 22 and 17. You're just one and game out. Just one game out, but my point differential is not good. 525, so I'm Ooh. 30. Is it 31? 31 behind you. Okay. Ugh. And then Andrew is in a league of his own. Obviously, because he he came 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 in mid season. He's four and two, forty five points or ninety five. I might have ridden a four or a nine. I mean, it does. Uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get disqualified because he's not here this week either. Yeah, we lost so, our southern charm this week. We did, we did. It's just all northerners <laughs> now. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, okay, first game this week. Is tomorrow, Tuesday, or actually today, whenever today, yeah. it's Chicago Bulls. It's the second night of the Fear of the Deer. Nights. Oh, yeah, I think it is. It's at home, isn't it? Yep. I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, did you, did, uh, do you believe in my conspiracy theory that they forgot the away jerseys on the West Coast trip? They wore the Fear of the Deer every single night on the trip. It's, they, like it's not special if you wear it every night. I think they forgot the the aways. I think they, I think they, they, the they have ones. done that before, though. I think they did that last year where they went out for like a four game road trip, probably to like the West Coast, and they all wore the red ones or something like. like I, it has happened before, but I did I did notice they have worn. They weren't like. I think like yesterday was the first time we saw the green jersey in a long time. Yeah. yeah. I think they lost. I think they forgot them for that trip. I don't know. Maybe it's a tradition. Like you said. Maybe they forgot them last year too. Maybe they, you know, you got to pack a lot of stuff. You're going to the West Coast. You need to remember all your things. You got, you know, you Chris Middleton. <laughs> they, they they remember to pack all the the singles and like Chris Middleton had his DVD collection. <laughs> and they, just, they forgot the jerseys. Like, oh darn, we forgot the jerseys. <laughs> Luckily, we're all wearing our Fear the Deer jerseys because they're so cool. We'll just wear those to the games, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> now they're gonna wear them again. I do yeah. like them. I do too. And I will say, I think we talked about this 
when the court was revealed. I went to the first night when it was against the Clippers. It was not sold by the court when the 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 plans were uh, unveiled. Yeah, they had the game. A lot better in person. Is it better. really? Yeah, okay. it's still a little kind of not vacant, but it, I feel like they could have done a little bit more with it. But it the I don't know. And I also don't like I, the one. I, we're off to, out of Taser right now, but <laughs> I don't like black baselines. Like I don't like the Suns court because the black. I feel like it's it's just so like I don't know. I it doesn't gel with me. It's fitting though because all basketball in Phoenix is in a black hole right now. Yeah, so true. I think that that's a little symbolism on their part. Like yeah, we know it's. Bad. <laughs> all right, back to the game. Uh, Adam has sent his predictions, so we can make fun of them. If we so choose. Good, I will. He picked the Bulls by 11. I do not disagree. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't make fun of that one at all. Um, I'll see. go first. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to go Bulls by four. Oh, you think it's going to be close, huh? I think it's going to be close. I think – what was last week's – they only lost – I mean, it was not a good game defensively, but the Bucks only lost by 11, like – I don't know. I think you can catch the Bulls on a good on a good game, but and then in the end lose. I think I've been following the Bulls a little bit more because I just wrote a super long hoops habit piece about them. That was uh, good. Though, right? Thank you so much to see if they're they're title contenders. They might be. It all depends on Derrick Rose, but they just. I wrote that they they could have wins over all the good East teams if they beat the Hawks the day after my post went up. They did not. They, they lost not, to the Hawks. The Hawks. I think they're going to rally. I don't think this team is uh, inexperienced enough to to drop a lot of games based on that. I think they're going to rally and beat the inferior Bucks. I'll say by seven. Ooh. I go between you two. By the way, uh, this will be another tangent. Okay. I feel like this is a scenario. Obviously, this has nothing to do with the Bucks. Just put the Bulls. Say the pick from Sacramento becomes the Bulls' pick because I think it's top ten protected. So if it might, I think it actually is. It might be more than I think it's like top fourteen. So basically, playoffs or nothing. It's like two years playoffs, I think. Okay. Well, okay. Even better. Say Sacramento makes the playoffs, which is not impossible. They're like two two games out. They're close right now. And Derrick Rose, depending on I don't I think we're I think unlike the MCW conversation, I think we're done seeing a consistent Derrick Rose. I'm not I'm not I'm not one of those guys that hey if he has a good game, oh look at what he did. I completely I, mean, I completely agree. I completely oh. agree. He reminds me of late stage Allen Iverson and where he he's not a star anymore and he probably shouldn't even be a starter with the way he plays. But he's not going to let anyone tell him that. And he's going to overstay his welcome. Like, that's what I see happening. He's going to completely completely overstay his welcome. He's hurting the team. Like, it's not good for them when he's on the floor. He takes more shots than Jimmy Butler does. That's ridiculous. It's Jimmy Butler. He's he's insane. He got stitches to fix his mouth, came back for the second half. 40 points. 40 points. (laughs) Um, He's on another level. 
But Derek Rose is like, yeah, but I should take these shots. <laughs> no, you should not. You should not take. You should take like five shots a game, Derek. But he won't. But no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Was no, no, he's I, he is a very uh, he's deeply upset. Anyway, I feel like if I'm Brooklyn, I would say, hey, we'll take Derek Rose off your hands, but you have to give us a pick. Give us that. Give us the Sacramento pick, and we'll take Derek Rose off your hands. I'm trying to think of who. I don't think they could take it. I would have. I would have loved this if Jarrett Jack wasn't hurt right now. Because mm. he was having a really good year. What about Thad Young? No, they, don't, lose, they got enough forwards. They got enough forwards. But they're gonna lose. Think about this. They're gonna lose Powell. And oh, you're talking about like this no. off season. Okay, this off season. This off season. Yeah. They might re-up Noah. It's unclear. They might trade him. They might re-up him. But, yeah, I see what you're saying now. Obviously, um, the Nets don't have anything. No, they don't have anything. Yeah. No, but they could even – it could be Brooke. Powell plays center in Chicago. Bobby Portis might not be ready to start 82 games yet. I don't like it, but I, I, I could see a trade happening after. There's still Taj, too, but he has a year left. I don't know. Hmm. Is Taj expiring? No, he has one more, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay. I I did that on 2K, actually. I got Derrick Rose to the Nets. And uh, Derrick Rose and Brooke Lopez. I mean, this is a video game, mind you. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a potent offense. I mean, yeah. on the Nets, if you don't have Jimmy Butler, like Derrick Rose is a good first option. There, I don't know. There is – I feel like I, we're, <laughs> we're digging ourselves more of a hole. I feel like since this Brooklyn news came out, I I don't I don't think it's as dire as everybody is making out to be. I feel it's like pretty dire. It's, it's dire, but I feel like there is a way that they could maximize trying to not take the Philly route, but make look at guys like in the D League, the bet you know guys like Sean Kilpatrick, yeah, or guys that may not be locked down with the team, and just try to find the best best guys out of them, and then hope and pray you you get a free agent eventually. They got to trade either Brooke or Thad or both. They got to get some picks. They need picks more than anything yeah. else. They don't. They have a, a swap in 2017 and a swap in 2019 with Boston. Otherwise, they don't they have any picks until 2020. They don't even have second round picks. They don't have second round picks until 2020. They have nothing. Like that Mason, that Mason Plumlee deal. <laughs> that Mason Plumlee deal was like a ray of light for them because they actually got a rookie. It was like, whoa, we get a rookie now. And then he got hurt, which was really sad. I like Rondé Hollis Jefferson. They need to do that with Brooke Lopez. Like, deal him to a contender. I don't know who needs a center right now like him. That's the problem. I don't know where he goes. But they need to – I mean, Thad Young, I think a lot of teams would take because everyone likes a stretch four. And for some reason, New Orleans refuses to give up uh, – who is it? Ryan Anderson. I don't know why. I don't know why they're holding on yeah. to him on an expiring deal when they're pure, unadulterated garbage. Well, they're, they, there's rumors about them. Joe Dumars might take over. Or is it, is expected to take over at some point this summer? Yeah, that, that's worked so well in the past. Eh. It hasn't yeah, been terrible. Recently, that is who they have now. Yeah, he has been good. Yeah. Anyway, times, but yeah. Uh, let's get back to predictions. <laughs> yeah. Second, second game. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Wednesday night, Bucks travel to Washington to the back to back. Uh. Against the Wizards, 
Adam picked the Bucks by 11. He's in my head. I just had the podcast. I just had time out with Ty Nine with Ben Mahich. Oh, I learned how to say it now. Ben Mahich. Goran Dragic. I don't know if I said that one right. Let's hope Dewan Blair plays at least 20 points. Yo, he, he might. <laughs> Oh, no. um, I just saw. I just saw Nene out again. No, oh, well, Nene just is not good. Nene. But um, who is the 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 center? Why can't I remember his name right now? Um, Gortat. Yeah, Gortat's out tonight. So if he's out Wednesday, what? yeah, he's out. So Dewan Blair is like starting. Oh, how oh. have we not traded Miles Plumley to this team yet? Like they can trade him right before the game. Like, look, either you have to I'll start the Jarrell. one player. Well, I would take Jarrell Eddie. I Jarrell like one. He's good. I don't know. I think he's something. I think Garrett, he's Garrett something. Temple dropped back to earth. <laughs> I would even yeah. – I'd, I'd do a bigger trade. I'd, was I'd, he even above earth? He had, he like, like, two good games. Oh, yeah, he did have two good games. But Ben, ben – He got to, like, like, the Willis Tower. Yeah. How it wasn't the yeah. He was a, almost, he was almost like a beneath or beyond the stratosphere, but not quite. But not quite. Ben um, has Ben has me hesitant. I can't talk either to ever take the Wizards again in anything. Not the Wizards anymore. I mean, Beal's out for like life. Actually, Gordon they're saying he might be back this week. Really? Um, or next week. Yeah, I was a long time the last time. I, I don't trust them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Bucks by three. I don't think they win. It's a uh, see. I don't, it's not gonna be a good game, regardless. I'm gonna, it's not gonna be. It's the second night of a back to back, and they have to fly. I'm gonna. You know what? You know what? No, I don't. Don't write that down. I'm going Wizards by four. I'm going with Ben's team. I don't. I don't trust Milwaukee on the second night of a back to back. Actually, I think that's when we should. I have, I have to remember it's been a while since then. But at some point they were like five and one at backs to backs. Yeah, I mean that's how they beat the Warriors. Yeah, that's right. But I still don't trust them. Yeah, me either. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Washington by six. Um, probably not a pretty six or any by any means. Um, Friday. Oh, I forgot my special stat. I had a special oh. stat for this section for this segment. The Bucks are 0-4 against the teams they play this week. They've lost two to the Wizards already, one to the Bulls, and one to uh, right. yeah, the Hornets. Yeah, the Hornets is the fourth game. Yep. They have not beaten any of these teams yet. Hopefully they can pick up their first win against one of them, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Uh, Friday night, Funk Nights with George Clinton. That's so uh, crazy. Yeah. I thought he had crazy hair, but the picture that they always show up doesn't have hair at all. I didn't. I didn't know George Clinton still did concerts. He was at Summerfest not that long ago. He's been a legend for like forty years. That's a long time to be a legend. Yeah, that'd be like if Kareem was still playing. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know he likes to write his novels. Um. My Minecraft, Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, Minecraft. <laughs> I'd actually want to read that. Anyway, Friday night, <laughs> Funk Day. Bucks playing the Atlanta Hawks. First meeting yeah. this year. Um, I don't think Atlanta is coming up a back to back. Um, 
So that's probably not a good thing for the Bucks. Uh, Adam took his Hawks by 14. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I don't trust the Hawks this year. They're so wishy-washy. I don't trust them. Like, I think they're good, but they have not. They, like, they don't prove to me that they're good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think the, the only team that I really trust outside of Cleveland in the Eastern Conference, and this sounds a little biased because I am ready for them, Toronto. I don't just – I can't – I can't – I just don't understand how Atlanta – what was their – they lost, like – They lost – they got smacked by the Knicks twice within the same week. Yeah. I mean, we've seen the Knicks can play good ball. But, I mean, yeah. the Bucks were struggling in that game, and they did a lot of things bad. And I, don't, I don't think – and plus the Bucks are in a way different place than the Hawks right now. Like the Hawks should have at least won one of those games. They, they at least – I would say the Knicks don't – I wouldn't say the Knicks match up well with the Hawks by any means. I feel like the Hawks – like on paper that looks like, oh, it would be a, a game, but I, wouldn't, I would say Hawks would prevail in any of those games. But, yeah, you know, I don't know. I still, I um, I still said the Hawks by seven. I don't I trust don't. I don't trust anybody in the East outside of Cleveland. To be honest with you, I'd I'd say I, I'm closest to trusting the Bulls, maybe, because I feel like if they're just in a close game and they have Jimmy Butler and they give him the ball, that they have a really good chance at winning. That's the only reason I trust them. Like they right. don't have a complete roster, they don't have a complete game, but they have like one of the most clutch players get, in, the, in the NBA right now. Yeah. And they, they still can, play good defense. They can still like I like even though I picked the Bulls to win tomorrow, I can still see the Bucks winning. Yeah, I could see it happening because I mean this is regular season. I mean if in yeah. playoffs I trust the Bulls more. I can't trust the Raptors until like after this whole year is done because of last year. Like I refuse to. Yeah. Because this is they were this hot last year. Like they were they were I think they were first conference for a little while. Maybe it was always the Hawks. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought they were up there for a little bit before. They're up there from yeah, and then I think it was the Hawks went on their. Well, yeah, they didn't lose in January. The month, yeah, yeah, in January they didn't lose a single game, and that's when things turned, um, and the Raptors fell off after the All Star break. Yeah. So I don't think I trust anyone. I don't trust Atlanta. I don't trust Chicago. You got to prove it to me, cities. I'm gonna go bold though. Bucks by five. Ooh. I'm gonna look so dumb, but I mean, I have to. I I have to stick up for my team at least once. All right, last game of the week, Saturday. Unfortunate time slot because now the Packers play at the same time. So, oh really? I can't wait to tweet along with all four people who will be watching. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, the Bucks get on, or take on the Hornets at Charlotte. So they're coming off a of back-to-back in twine. Um, Charlotte has – I think they've been without Batum, but they have not looked good. I think it's kind of the kind of, you know, unexpected success without FKG or even Jefferson to this point is starting to fall off. So yeah. I will say that is something to watch. Um, oh, Adam took the Bucks by three. In so, Charlotte he did? Yeah, I, I that's another thing. I don't know if Hornets. I would assume the Hornets are off, are coming off the back to back too. 
it, I, I don't think it matters to me. I think the Bucks are going to play the the Hawks closer. I think they're just going to fall apart in the Hornets game, just like they did with Mavericks and the Knicks. They do this all the time, just like they did with uh, Golden State and then Lakers. Like they love doing this. They get up for one game. They just have nothing left for the next game. Yeah. You're saying they got to fly there now, and they're not. I mean, let's be honest. You don't get up for the Hornets. They're not even in the the. They're not in a top eight team right now. They just felt. I mean, they're not far out. They're not. It's not their season's not done. But they're not one of those. The hive. Yeah, you don't get up for the hive. I'm gonna say <laughs> Hornets by nine. Ooh. Milwaukee's so inconsistent. Like this is a game the Bucks have more talent, especially after these injuries. Even if Batum does go, I think the Bucks have more raw talent, but they're not consistent. They're so streaky. Yeah. Plus, I can't um, bet against Frank Tank. Oh, the, the Hornets. Hornets are coming off the back back, and they're going to be in New Orleans the night before. Okay. So I'm sticking to my guns. You you don't have to play your starters to beat New Orleans anymore, especially if Anthony Davis is still hurt. Yeah, they're down to like point four real NBA players without Anthony Davis. And they and they almost beat the Clippers yesterday. That was nuts. I don't I the, I don't trust any teams. I trust three NBA teams. Yeah, Cavs, Warriors, Spurs. Outside of that, I don't. None of you have proven anything to me. Yeah, I'm gonna go Bucks by twelve. Okay. I feel uh, well, partially because I did not take the Bucks at all this week, and I feel like they will win at least one game. And I think this is probably the best out of the four. I, 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 you're right that it looks the best, but when do the Bucks ever follow? Those games? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They do not follow a uh, a pattern. There's no logic ever. Oh, God. I mean, this could be. I don't want to say this is the week, but I remember looking at the standings. Right now, I believe the Bucks are six and a half out of the eighth seed. Yeah, it probably sounds something like that. Um, I feel like we're getting close to I, – I I was already on this bandwagon, but I feel like we are already – we're official, We're going to be officially on – we're not making the playoffs. Um. At this point, oh, yeah. Six, yeah, I've, six, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, but I feel like it's gonna be set in stone, like after this trip. Five, yeah, yeah, or maybe two weeks from now. I mean, they won't be mathematically out, but yeah. I mean, there's still. Th- I mean, right now, there's still three games out of behind Charlotte and Washington. Yeah, but it feels like, like those teams are such like they're on a higher pedestal than the Bucks are at this point. Well, yeah, I mean the. I mean the Har- the the not the Harlots the Hornets are just playing good team ball, but I mean when Batum's healthy he's on a higher level than most Bucks even Middleton I guess you could say John Wall is a superior player I could see Washington continue to fall off a little bit but I don't think they're gonna have to pass the Hornets and then I mean the Knicks are ahead of them by a pretty fair margin now I think the Knicks proved that they're like a better team than the Bucks even though the season series was going a different way. I mean, Porzingis is a whole new player now than he was a month ago or two months ago. Completely different player. Yeah, they're they're a lot better. I mean, the like uh, I don't I don't remember what the blog's name is. The the I don't know if you saw this. The SB Nation um Knicks blog wrote about oh. Dad Mello. Oh right, Dad Mello, and it's true. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's become a more willing passer, and it's worked out really well for them. Yeah, um, their their whole their whole dynamic is different. I mean, Aaron Aflalo's lighting stuff up every night. 
Jose Calderon is still Jose Calderon. Yeah, I don't think the Bucks are going to take over the Knicks in the standings anytime soon or at all ever this season. The Knicks are a better team. That's just where we are at right now. Yeah. All right. I think we are now at our final segment. That's the usually the podcast closer. We're at the mailbag. Mailbag. All right. I had to collect these mailbags. Questions. Gather them yeah, up. Pretty good. Pretty good size. Pretty good size. Um, these are not in any particular order, but we will go with the questions where I say it. Okay. Uh, first question is: When is Joey Burbs going to be on this podcast? He killed it on hashtag TWT. I believe that's timeout with Ty. It is. Thanks for the hashtag. I believe that was Alex who asked that, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah. My mistake. I am first time host. This, this is terrible. <laughs> Alex Koenig. That was the question from Alex Koenig. That was and one of them. You have the next. You have the next couple of questions too. So when we laugh podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to his agent and uh, Adam McGee's agent because <laughs> you know I can't talk directly to Adam anymore. He took away those privileges um, a few weeks ago, so I have to go through his people. But yeah, we got to get those kind of things past Adam. But I think we can make that happen. I think we I can convince Joey to give us. He had a great time last time. We just got to get him closer to the mic, have him enunciate a little clearer. But he had a lot of fun. He has some more stories, I'm sure, about playing against guys like Jabari. He never played against Giannis, Joey. They never went to Greece, but I, I think we can make that happen. I hope. Yeah. It'll be a welcome addition. Uh, yeah. Next question from Alex Koenig. I should give him, actually, I should give him his. Yeah, give him the at. At Alex underscore Koenig 023. There we go. There we go. Uh, second question from him. Let's say the Bucks get the number two pick. Ben Simmons is gone. Who is your next choice? Well, I think like the consensus right now is Ingram, Brandon Ingram. I mean, I, it's hard for me to turn down Jag and Bender. This this could be like Porzingis's alter ego. Like, I I want to see Jag and Bender versus Porzingis. Yeah, I don't it, like like I've said before though. I I don't really have true draft opinions until after the tournament. I will say this, uh, to answer the question, I will say Brandon Ingram all the way. And I will also say this. I don't think Ben Simmons will be the first pick. I think it will be Brandon Ingram. You know, that's bold, but it's not so bold. I don't mean to deflate you, but if you go back 365 <laughs> days, yep. the, consensus, the consensus first overall pick was Okafor all year, all yep. year long. And by draft night, he had. And if dropped. it wasn't if it wasn't him, it would be Towns. Russell wasn't even in a conversation for top two. Yeah. At that, yeah. Point. I mean, he really emerged. Yeah, and Okafor dropped at three. And I mean, this was the talk was pretty much the same as it is. Maybe Simmons' talk is a little bit more extreme, but the Okafor talk was up there, and that it's like this guy's the number one. I mean, he's like a down low. He can score whenever he wants. He's a menace on the block. His defense isn't there yet, but he's young, and we trust him. And, I mean, Towns just impressed the hell out of everybody with being able to do everything, which he has his rookie season. He's done everything. He's tremendous. Um, but, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. I don't disagree. Like I said, I don't know enough yet, but I, I could certainly see that happening. Next question from Alex. 
I love all these questions. I wish more people would ask like five great questions. Yeah. We could be here all night. Just playing around with the trade machine. What do you think Jabari oh, to have Boston give Sacramento draft picks? There's a link. There's a trade. Oh, I didn't send you the link. That's no. Gonna be a problem. I'll pull up the trade now. Do, 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 do. All right, here we go. All right, the trade is Demarcus Cousins and Jared Selinger to the Bucks, Greg Monroe and Jordan Mickey to the Kings, and Jabari Parker to the Celtics. And then draft picks go from Boston to Sacramento because they got the rawest end of the deal. Hmm. I don't know why the Bucks would want Monroe and Selinger. I'd much Is rather see. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Boogie and Selinger. I'd much rather see like uh, Rosier or somebody come over, just because they would actually get minutes, or one of their wings like Evan Turner or something. Plus, Selinger, Selinger is going to be a restricted free agent, but I would not. He, he, the Bucks would not, would not resign with that Boogie. Yeah, but I, I, that's, I, mean, I mean, that's we're nitpicking. I mean, if you get a trade with Boogie, I don't think you're going to say no deal unless we get Terry Rozier, too. Yeah. If you have to take Sully, you take Sully. But I I think the trade, it would make a little bit more sense with somebody else because the the Celtics still need a center and he's been their their best center as far as I know. I know you, I I don't think you will. I would absolutely take this trade. No picks given up. You would take it? Yeah, definitely take it. You would. Just think of the starting five. So you're, but you would say you would say replace Sullinger with Rozier. I, that, that that I mean, really, it doesn't matter too much. Like Rozier doesn't oh. do anything for me. That's just I just think that trade would make more sense to each team. Because I mean, you're looking at the Bucks then that have Plumley, Boogie, Henson, and Sullinger. It's it'd be crowded, but it doesn't matter. Like I I just think another player would make more sense. That's not a make or break part of the deal for me. But if you just look at that lineup, then you'd have. Michael Carter Williams. That it, that this is the messy part is they wouldn't really have a shooting guard. It'd probably be like what Mayo or maybe Bayless, depending on his health. Vaughn. You could start Vaughn, Middleton, Giannis, and Boogie. That's a hell of a lineup. That's not bad. That is a hell of a lineup. I mean, that's. I mean, your questions for the future just like went down to, like we just need a couple more okay players to slot in. I mean, Boogie is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Giannis would have enough room to develop now. I do have an aversion to just not not liking any trade, but there are I can't deny there are some players that I would trade for. You know, not the whole roster, but a significant part of the team's core, like Giannis and Jabari. Yeah. I think Boogie is definitely in there. I would also say Kawhi. Oh yeah. I actually this kind of sounds controversial. Would not put Anthony Davis in it. The injuries, right? He's injuries, more and right I don't now. know. I think people really. I think he's he's had a good year. I just don't know how much better he can become. Like I, I think we're going to see a really good player at his size for the next you know fifteen years that he plays. I just don't see him becoming a do-it-all kind of score. I think he's always going to be like a guy that's like 23 and 10 and then, you know, can maybe get up to like three blocks per game if everything is set to him. But I, I mean, 
don't know. Obviously, the Pelicans have been so disappointed this year, so it kind of sours, you know, everybody on that team. Even yeah, you know. I'm not. I'm not ready to turn against the Anthony Davis hype train just yet. Just to think of another filler. Here's a fun one that was linked to Milwaukee before the draft. Instead of Selinger, it could be RJ Hunter. Ooh. As you're talking about shooting. Ooh. I mean, MCW has proved he can shoot at least 32, 30%. RJ Hunter's a sharpshooter. Chris Middleton's a sharpshooter. Giannis not there yet. Wow, that, that offense would be so, like, incredibly, like, the opposite of what it is right now. It'd be crazy. It'd be so much fun to watch. I mean, Giannis still probably wouldn't be shooting too much, but even Boogie has range as he's shown this season. I don't want Boogie anywhere outside of the paint on offense. I think it's a, a stupid joke to have him taking threes when he's basically unstoppable on the little block. Mm. But that's he's not bad three-point shooter, though. I mean, he can do it if he's. I mean, if he's in transition, like if he's the trailer and they leave him yeah. open, he can knock those down now. I mean, yeah. that team on offense, and he doesn't get the reputation for it, but according to win shares, Boogie adds more wins via defense than offense. He's a tremendous defender. Oh, wow. Giannis, Giannis can defend well. Chris Middleton's a great defender. RJ Hunter might be sort of sievish, but MCW holds on. That's a great team. Yeah, I like that a lot. And it could be Evan Turner instead, too. That's not as good as RJ Hunter. You're not getting that shooting, but, I mean, you can go get that in the offseason. You mean the future NBA logo? Yeah, the logo, Evan Turner. <laughs> All right, next question uh, comes from Pencil. At pencil two two nine two, the most the best writing utensil on the market. Yeah, our friend from down under. Yeah, uh, he actually sent this way before our podcast even recorded. Um, early question: Ways to deal with frustration of beating Dallas and then losing to the Knicks. Um, there's no vitamin. He asked if there was a vitamin. I suggested alcohol. Oh, yeah. And he told me that what well, that answer doesn't count because that's how Australians deal with everything. And it turns out I'm moving to Australia now. But yeah. before that, I have to answer this question. Um, <laughs> you just got to chalk it up to these. This team just doesn't have the experience yet, I think is really it. I think that's supposed to been proven over and over. And it's a cop-out. Like, I, I agree that it's a cop-out. With, even though I'm saying it, but it's sort of true. Like there needs to be more responsibility taken by coaches and by players. Um, I mean, there's not like real established veterans like Zaza and Ursan here anymore, and Dudley, of course. But I, I just think guys need to step up more. I hate hearing about how Giannis gets up for Carmelo. It, it bothers me every time. It's like get up for yeah, everyone. That's worn out as well. I mean. I understand. This, this is the NBA. I mean, it's cool if he's not afraid of Carmelo. Like, I understand that. But you should every time you're lined up against anyone in the NBA, you should be up to play them. You should be excited to play them. Like, you should want to go out. Like, I get wanting to prove yourself in Madison Square Garden, but you should want to prove yourself in whatever the in the Hive just as much. You should want to show up in Charlotte. And be like, this this is important. The Hive. Where no one is watching outside of us and Andrew Snyder, the only Hornets fan you can find, <laughs> the only one, um, and Steph Curry, I guess if it's an off night, because I think he's a sort of Hornets fan. But digression. I I just think the the maturity is not there yet, and the consistency is really what the Bucks are lacking right now. Because their highest highs, they beat the best team in the NBA, but we've seen and, that and the one time. 
the, the lowest yeah. low is losing to the Lakers. <laughs> losing to the Lakers, losing to the Knicks. I mean, it's a damn surprise they haven't lost to the 76ers yet. And I wouldn't, they have more yes. games coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Not if they have God mode ish Smith. He's unbelievable. Pelicans I gave him say, away. Pelicans GM. So. Shout out to the Pelicans GM. Just give away him. But sign Eric Gordon and all these other guys. It's terrible. <laughs> they did get second round picks. You never know who they could be, though. Uh, if only the Bucks got second round picks. We yeah. we get nothing. Yeah, you want to though. Have no, we'll take nothing for him. <laughs> I will say, though, the Knicks aren't the Knicks of what they were last year. No, they're not. I. I think when we were predicting teams, I was incredibly wrong about them. I thought they were going to be a joke again. And Porzingis is really good. Melis had a really good year. Even guys like Lance Thomas, like Derek Williams. <sighs> Derek, I, I yeah, he has the occasional he's a, game. He's a broke man's Kenneth Fareed. Yeah, actually. Yeah, that is actually pretty good. I mean, he's that's more funny. mobile, but that's a yeah, that is good. He's just, that's all he really. He's just gonna, he's gonna slam the ball. He's gonna miss a couple yeah. jumpers, but by God, he's huge and athletic. Mm-hmm. That's Derek Williams. Yeah. Did you did you catch the Marcus Johnson story about Derek? I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Wait, what? The Marcus Johnson story about Derek Williams? Oh, the track. <laughs> that was like <laughs> every time a game sucks, it's like Marcus can sense that it sucks and he saves it. Every yeah. time. What, what what was the one before? It was like some player's mom. JJ Barea's mom. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was when Dallas, I think that was when Dallas beat the Bucks, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when the games are going <laughs> bad, Marcus is like, and thank, thank the Lord for Marcus Johnson on these calls. It's just like, I got to start talking about something else because this yeah. Bucks game is just depressing. So I'm going to talk kept, about. He also kept talking about Phil Jackson. Like he's like, I see Phil Jackson right now. He's kind of making a face. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was like he was like a live reporter to the city. It was really funny. He has been he has been really good. He's uh, been the MVP of the season, man. Talking about Derek you know, Williams. Actually, I, he would be the MVP. He's watching he watches Derek Williams flip tractor tires. I guess they're neighbors in California and he can like look out his window and watch Derek Williams flip tractor tires. And I'm trying to make a meme out of this, the angry Marcus meme. <laughs> Oh, yeah, with the picture where he's on the plane. on the plane. Yeah, he was super <laughs> on the plane. And I, I tweeted the picture, and I said, when you're trying to enjoy a nice summer day, and pesky neighbor Derek Williams keeps flipping tractor tires. How do you get tractor? I mean, I would assume you're living in a suburb. Like, that's that's weird. Where do you get these tractor tires? Maybe he bought a tractor and just tore it apart and flips it all around Marcus's property. But it, you wouldn't tear it apart if he's flipping them. Maybe just like rip the tire off of it. I don't know. I, I, I you have to have you have to ask Marcus Johnson or Derek Williams or Derek Williams. Also, we have. I have a lot of questions about Derek Williams. I, I mean, I don't know why he's sticky with this predator look. Yeah, like, I don't know about that either. I don't like that. If he was on the Bucks, he would have had to. He would have had to shave. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Um, next question comes from K at Ku Brian two three twenty three. Okay. Okay. Seriously, though, just how bad is this defense? Monroe really surely bad. can't take all the blame, right? Yeah, it is very bad. <laughs> and no, he can't take all the blame. It's He's not a good not, defense. It's, uh, I mean, their biggest problem is the three-point shooters, I'd say, more than Monroe. I mean, 
they get killed on the boards sometimes, but I mean, he doesn't ever have help. I mean, if you start next to Jabari, Jabari's gotten a little better, but his rebounding metrics are still terrible. He still is not like he'll grab more boards now. He still never boxes out. Like he doesn't know how. I don't think like no one showed him. The Dallas game was perfect example. Yeah, like he'll he he'll reach up and grab some boards, but he'll just let guys walk right through. I mean, that's how Porzingis gets all these slam dunks. Greg Monroe got blamed for that putback. I thought that was ridiculous. Greg Which Monroe one? played the, the, the Porzingis putback. He played excellent defense on Robin Lopez. I thought it was Giannis. That it was, was Giannis. Yeah. But on Twitter, I see all of Greg Monroe not boxing out. Like, you want him to D up Robin Lopez and defend this jumper and then just, like, instantly spin around and box out? Like, this isn't 2K. You can't do both things at once. Yeah, um, this – they, I don't they don't guard That does that. I, obviously, like you said, I think it's just everybody that they are. They don't know how to use like their body to like create space defensively. Yeah. Where like obviously like Zaza and Dudley were so good at that, and we kind of just gave it as like a given. Um, as far as the defense goes, I mean, ugh, it's just terrible. I mean, I think they need to switch it up eventually. Like, I think this – I don't know if it's worth I, us that's the, watching that's the this. Biggest, does their scheme change next year? Will we see something? It might. I mean, it, this ownership doesn't seem like it wants Milwaukee to be a bad basketball team for five more years. And right yeah. now, just with these pieces, this defense isn't working. And, like, people love to blame Greg Monroe because he's, like, the big addition. But it's like, look, he hasn't been a, a Steve. He hasn't been um, an Cantor. He's been manageable. He he makes mistakes. He gets out of position. He, he is what he is. And the same exactly. Story. And yeah. maybe maybe we overrated Middleton's d- defense, even though I still think he's a good defender. And I would say the same thing goes for MCW and Giannis. I just think – I don't know. I just think it's it hasn't been from what we've seen in the past, but I feel like the fact that they are winning games in their offense is at a point where that's where you can, you know, Kind of make your what's the term? Make your hay or something? I can't. Yeah, I think it is make your hay. I don't know where it comes make from. Um, make your hay. I mean, they just. I, I don't know. I just they just started a good defensive team, and it's definitely scheme is into it, but also they're still learning about it. Like the, it was a bit like even if Jabari, like say in a in a other universe, Jabari doesn't go down with his ACL last year. He was probably going to be really good defensively, but not second. They were yeah. probably going to be top seven, top eight. Jabari was still going to have to have a learning curve. Oh, yeah. So I think we're going to – I think we're finally – and then having Monroe – adding Monroe to it too obviously makes it worse. I don't know. But the total yeah, – it's not just Monroe. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, I don't think it is either. I mean, I've been talking about this with rookies for so long. Like, if, if you took Jabari and didn't play him for the rest of the year, the Bucks would probably be better than if you did play him. Like rookies generally detract while they're on the floor. You know who had a a, a minus plus minus on off their rookie years? LeBron James, Stephen Curry, like James. Harden, no, not James Harden because he was on the Thunder. But Durant. guys like that, I don't know if Durant did. He probably. Did. I would guess because well, I don't I actually know if I checked his numbers. The Sox were terrible that year. They were, but I mean Durant was really good always. Yeah. But I mean, even like legends like that, like Cur- Curry's probably now a legend. LeBron clearly is. Like rookies don't add; they're just still learning so much. 
I mean, teams get worse with them on the floor generally. I mean, guys like Towns and Porzingis can buck the trend rarely. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's Jabari right now. I mean, they, they were better because he didn't play last year. That year they were better. Overall, as a franchise, they were worse off. Yeah. Because they need him to take these lumps and hurt the team for a while so he can grow. Like, they need that. That's necessary. So did it help their 41-win their season? Yeah, it helped that he wasn't playing. But is it was it good that he wasn't around? No, it was terrible because he's yeah. the future. I mean, if he gets traded for Boogie, he's still the future because he brought the franchise that way, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's the future right now until something changes drastically, and we hope it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from at a Sheridan 34 what are your th- reactions to the Cream City Clash tra- trashing Zaza? Hated it. I was at the game and I hated it. I hated it too. I agree with a. I didn't get. I don't remember the name. I agree with this questioner. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. But whichever. I agree. It was classless. It was stupid. Why would you? Why would you do this to Zaza? He was like the best. He still is the best. Not Zaza. Make fun of Ray Felton. Everyone else does. He's good this year. He'll just laugh. It won't affect him. He's actually playing well. Make fun of Chandler Parsons. Don't make fun of Zaza. Yeah, I I, I felt like um, Adam kind of summed it up well after the whole game. And there were actually, I will say, I think people were, weren't sure of what was said or weren't even like impressed, but there were other things I've heard and read, I think from Jeremy Schmidt of Basketball, said like, you know, saying you cheat Zaza or Zaza's yeah, a I, like just I had really yeah, like, being cheater, but from a few different people, I heard those were said. It was, I don't know. I Multiple sources. It's a bad look in general, and I just think it's just so high school. It's like, it's, I don't know, it's so dumb. To me. It's, it's super dumb. Yeah. Um, oh, Back to Alex underscore Koenig 023. I missed this question. Here we go. Uh, Does OJ and Bayless have more value to the team as leaders or as trade pieces to a contender? Well, that depends on what front office we got right now. If it's the John John Hammond one that gets Jared Dudley and a first-round pick for garbage, then they're more valuable as trade pieces because he could probably get a nice return for either of those guys. If it's the new model, a.k.a. the Jason Kidd front office, that gives away a valuable overperforming center to Dallas for nothing when they have zero centers, then they're more valuable on this team because there's, there's no – it'd be dumb to trade Jared Bayless for a second-round pick. Like, they need him more than they need a second-round pick. A second-round pick's not going to change anything. I think if you don't get a first or, like, a young guy or something, it's not worth it at all. But, I mean, if they could squeeze a first out of O.J. Mayo or Jared Bayless, then they'd definitely be more valuable that way. I actually have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, okay. There will be a piece coming out, I believe. It'll be it'll probably be done for today when you guys are listening to this. Um, what teams want a, uh, a supposed three-point shooter who's, I believe, should be 28% from the field? from the three-point line um, in OJ Mayo. And what teams want Jared Bayless, who is having a good year, shooting-wise, I think 44% from both the field and three-point range. 
but he he hasn't been healthy at all this year, or not at all. But he's had two really not devastating, but it's I mean it's been he's gonna be out probably this week again. I mean I don't know if there are many teams that will give up something worthwhile for any either of them. I think I think Mayo is valueless at this point. Uh, he's got an eight million dollar hit for this year. It's expensive. Let's well, even throw actually not even just throw in them. I mean, there are rumors that Rivas Vasquez could even come back earlier than what is being reported. Let's throw him in the mix. I mean, he has been as much as we Adam and I are trying to be positive about him. He hasn't been that good. He was never that good this year. No. Why would anybody trade for that or even give up? More than a low second round pick. If they're yeah. trading uh, Vasquez, they're going to attach something to him. That's why oh, I mean, yeah. if, when they dumped those three guys, the three veterans, like at least get real second round picks. Because right now you could take one of those second round picks, let's say the the Washington pick, because they're not that good, and go, hey, Sam Hankey slash Jerry Colangelo, here is Grievous Vasquez's contract, and you can cut him or whatever. We don't care. And a second round pick. Give us one of these guys who you don't even know who they are, and you're going to cut them soon anyway. And you can get a second round pick and have another pick, and they'd probably do it. And then the Bucks could have a roster spot and bring back Sean Kilpatrick, who's been a revelation in the D League, Christian Wood, who proved himself in the NBA a little bit, any any sorts of guys who are available right now. Like why why use a roster spot on Grievous Vasquez at all? Like if if even, like they probably won't cut him because it'll waste money. But I mean, there would be ways to trade him. Like this is why. You should not, never ever trade for a top fifty-five protected pick because it's pointless. Philly yeah. doesn't want that. Philly doesn't think, oh well, if the Mavericks plane crashes, they'll end in the bottom five, and then we can get the fifty-eighth overall pick in this draft. Like, no, no one wants that. It's literally valueless. If you had a real second-round pick, you could then pair that with Grievous. You're not getting anything for Grievous Vasquez. I think maybe the right situation, Bayless, you could get something for. You know who wants He's to shoot? the best of the bunch. Yeah. Golden, Golden State wants another shooter. Yes. I mean, you could you could go get like a 29th overall pick for Jared Bayless. I'd gladly do that. That's the thing though that is kind of um what's the word? I guess in theory you could say all these guys obviously they have shown in the past that they're Cable guys coming off the bench, three point shooters, all that stuff. Like, in theory, these guys could all boost a team, but where the, we are this season, like, OJ Mayo helps his team out so much because he is known to be a shooter. He hasn't been a shooter this year. He's been a better defensive player than I think everybody thought he could be. That's probably the yeah. best thing he's been this year. Um, Bayless, you know, his shooting's been really good, but again, Lost 11 games to a pretty bad ankle injury, and then now going on what three? I think it was a Spurs game. I mean, I don't know. Vasquez is another thing. I mean, I like Vasquez a lot, obviously, but uh, it's tough. Very tough. Um, I think our last question comes from T- at TRW24. Okay. Which players? Oh, this is another one. Here we go. Which players can you see being traded by the deadline? 
I'm thinking bench guys like Plumley and Ennis are on the block. Yeah, I don't think you're getting anything for Ennis, especially after what was it Sunday's game? I can't say <laughs> last night it was I, terrible. I thought he tried to dunk that. I don't know what he did. People thought I was serious. I tweeted that they had to cut him, and I forgot I was on the official account. Well, that's, that's the kind of thing I tweet. And I was like, they got to cut him now. And it was a joke. They don't have to cut him now. But, I mean, that was abysmal, whatever he tried to do. It was really bad. And uh, even before that, I mean, he was like 0 for 6 in that game. It wasn't good. I don't, I don't, I don't know what like what team would say, we're going to give you anything of value for Tyler Ennis right now. I don't think any team cares. He If, any, if he gets moved, it's like as a salary piece with another trade. Plumley, I think, has a little value. He's shown that he can play a little bit still. I mean, he's better than DeWan Blair. He's in that category of better than DeWan Blair. He, he has ACLs. He doesn't make Ben sick to his stomach. So I think Plumlee you could probably get something for. I don't know what team has things they'd give up for him, but I think if a bench guy gets moved, it'd probably be Plumlee. I don't know who else it would be. Maybe that, maybe uh, Bayless if he gets himself healthy. Uh, I don't know. Their bench, I mean, it's it's not even just with the trade though. Like their bench is such a um, big question mark. Besides, like the only really known player, not known players, but right now, if I had to bet on the players that are coming back to the Bucks that are on the bench. Henson, for sure. Johnny O'Brien. Rashad. I'm going to throw it in this. I'm going to say Ennis. I think that's it. Rashad? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Rashad. Ooh, my bad. Rashad. Yeah, I figured you just forgot. But, yeah. Um, is Ennis' contract up after – is it 2017, I think? I think he's in the uh, – His is the same as Jabari's. So I think oh, it is? Right. He's that draft? Oh, that's 2018 then. Okay, so he'll still be around for the – They might be options. Oh, yeah. I don't remember how his contract – Well, yeah, that's the other thing. They could – Oh, that'd be so crazy if they did that. What? I would never see them tr- declining his option. But the fact that – I mean, I don't know. I it's, He's such a weird case in general. Like, he either doesn't play at all. Or he starts. Starts random games. He didn't – I mean, he didn't do particularly bad yesterday. I mean, I'm I'm a fan. I think he's going to beat something. I just don't – I don't know. I don't think – you have to see something with him. I just feel like they're, they're so weird. He's like the weirdest case in all, I don't know. All this, well, maybe not besides English, but – Yeah, but like the one, the one team I could see wanting, like actually saying I want uh, Tyler Ennis is Brooklyn – but like we were taught, they have nothing to give up. Like Brooklyn doesn't have anything worth Ennis, Ennis to give back. They're not going to give up Thad Young for Tyler Ennis. They don't have any second round picks until 2020. They can't trade those. So it's like, well, the one team that you could really see going, oh, well, we'll take a flyer on the guy and see what he is, especially with Jared Jack out. They don't really have anything to trade for him. Bogdanovich, maybe? I do like Bogdanovich. Oh, yeah. That'd be the only thing I could see, but I don't know if the Nets want to give up a proven guy like, well, not proven, but more proven than Ennis, like Bogdanovich for Tyler Ennis. Yeah, That's I don't about know. Trades. It's so weird. They, I will say this. One thing they'll have to watch 
uh, with the Bucks. They do have three draft picks this year. So, yeah. um, I do think, as much as I may have maybe like a uh, uh, probably the, an English optimist, I would not be surprised if they if they didn't guarantee his contract. I mean, they don't play him. I mean, he's they played him last night, of course, or two nights ago against the mix. But I don't know. And there was a, oh yeah, there was something I saw this on Twitter. Uh, Frank Madeline, I believe, was talking to uh, famed Bucks fan Canada Bucks. Oh. Can you name the last? Bucks second round pick that lasted more than two years. Oh, I saw this now. I can't remember who it is. Well, Johnny O'Brien will be uh, <laughs> the the newest one, but uh, yeah, the last one before him. Does it go all the way back to Urson? No, it does not. Actually, no. It goes. It's it's sooner. Uh is this, he's not on the team? Is he? No, he can't be. No, but he is in the league. Who is it? Luke Richard Mabamute. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Guys like uh, John Luer, Darrington Hobson, uh, Jody Meeks. You know. Actually, Ersan might not count because he was there for a year. Then he went overseas and he came back. So he might not even count to that list. Um, There's a notable Buck second round pick. No, <laughs> Nate Walters. I forgot about him. Oh, my God. Never forget. Walt, hate, Nate is gone, Nate. Nate is gone, Nate. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a little depressing. A little bit. Especially from where they are. But anyway, I believe that's that's it for this edition. This Adam List edition. Yeah, the first. We made six podcasts. He, he did 36 in a row, dropped out for 37. We'll see yeah. if he's back for 38. Just had to go to jolly old England. Yeah. The jolly Raptors take out the magic. Which will um, be a fun game. Oh, yeah. Are you flying out for that? Raptors, Raptors reporter, are you flying out for that? <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> I am not at all. Um, I don't know how he usually ends these, but I will end it in my own way. <laughs> uh are you going to sing us a Garth Brooks song or Chris Gaines? No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. But uh, have a good week, everybody. Hope the Bucks get a, a win. We'll be back here next week. I don't think there's a game next week on Monday. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Have a good week. And follow us on Twitter. Behind the Buck Pass on Twitter. Read our articles. We... Produce fresh content, hashtag content for you guys every day. I got a scoop, actually. Oh, we have scoops yet. We're available on a new platform now. Previously to today, well, yesterday, I guess now, previously to Monday, you could find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Twitter, and the website behindthebuckpass.com. We are now on Stitcher. Oh, you can you can go. search Winning Six on Stitcher, and we're on there too. It's my preferred podcasting app because I have an Android phone, so I can't use iTunes. It's it's more reliable than the other options. I like it. I like Stitcher. Find us on Stitcher. Are we all? Are we now on all platforms? I don't know of any other ones. What iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. 
I think that's the you know the trifecta. I think that is the trifecta. You can you can listen to us on any device anywhere. You can pick up a radio and tune it to the right station and find us. That's next. <laughs> that's our next development. We'll create our own radio channel. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but yes, for Ty Windish, myself, and we'll throw in Adam because he's not here. Um, live long and prosper. <laughs> Thanks for listening.